Okay, let's go. Let's take a trip down the main street together on the NTT20 betting show. The sound of the start of your weekend brought to you by Ali Maxwell and George Ellick and sponsored by Five Yards. George, last week mixed in the sense that you did well and I did poorly. Uh, your mm. Doncaster to beat Lincoln nap. Let's not worry about the the balance of chances created and how the game went. It was a winner and it was a great winner too, as was your Scunthorpe DNB Friday night action. Uh, a good win against Cole U. You didn't get any luck with Barnsley at Forest, although they wanted a pen, didn't they? They wanted a pen. Uh, she got it as well. And, and the no- unlucky for me this weekend. <laughs> the no goal scorer <laughs> in Cardiff Millwall was fun because Cardiff went one, no, Millwall went one and up and it was an Aidan Flint own goal. So your your big thing about backing no goal scorer instead of nil-nil, it almost paid dividends. But of course, Millwall couldn't hold on because they simply love to draw games. But that Donny Knapp was a cracker. Great work there. Thanks, a uh, disaster for me last week. The Northampton game being cancelled really compounded my misery as I was pretty excited about those two centre-back fo- uh, goalscorer picks. Just a, a disastrous week, which I'd like to move on from by looking ahead at the weekend docket. I'm desperate to hear after that Donny Knapp winner, George, what your biggest fancy is this weekend. So please tell me. Interesting weekend for me because I'm covering all bases along the kind of A420 Berkshire area. I'm ticking off Swindon, Reading and Oxford, all in different guises. The team that I love, the team that I hate and the team that I'm told that I hate, but I actually quite like. So... um Started with my nap, and it is the team that I hate uh, losing against Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury are twenty-seven to twenty best price at the moment. I mean, this is yeah a good a good moment to quote certain previous foreign managers in the Premier League. It's a good moment for me for these two to be playing against each other because Shrewsbury come into the game in really good form, having been incredibly unfortunate to be defeated by Crew in midweek. There wasn't a massive drop-off in terms of their performance from the 2-0 win against Peterborough to this defeat against Crewe. They conceded um, with one of the only kind of proper chances that Crewe managed to form. Uh, Shrewsbury had themselves to blame, really, for not winning the game. They've created loads of chances before the goal and after. Um, Harry Chapman, again, was a, a, a real live wire for Shrewsbury. He's been that in all three games so far and looks like he's going to give a side who've been pretty solid under both under both Sam Ricketts and also under um, Steve Cottrell, well, who's absent, and, and so mainly Aaron Wilbraham. Um, but they've added a bit of an attacking impetus to it. And they created loads of chances against Crewe. And they had, they had plenty of the game, easily enough to get a point, probably enough to get all three. But it goes down in the form book as an L. Swindon have been in diabolical form recently. Uh, they've been a team that I've put up with some success in the betting show in recent weeks, especially away at Charlton due to the players that they were able to bring in. But if their window started pretty well, it ended pretty badly. Um, you know, Matt Smith ended up being recalled by Arsenal because they weren't using him and being sent to Charlton. Uh, Jai Simi was bought very late on by Charlton. Uh, Kieran Freeman, one of the players which really looked to me like it was a bit of a statement of intent, ended up going back up to the championship, probably where he belongs. So suddenly the Swindon side, who looked like they were formulating something of a decent first eleven, have been basically gutted and without really any class additions to go alongside it. It's it's a poor team again. And they beat Wigan 1-0 last time, which gives Swindon fans some hope, maybe gives John Sheridan some hope of a Chesurrection. Uh, we've seen those before, but um, I'm not really having it. They came up against the Wigan side, who we know, are, for the most part, fairly poor. And this is a much tougher test. 
you know, if you take out the last two results, I don't think we'd be getting the the kind of 27 to 20-ish price that we're getting about Shrewsbury. It should just be a better side beating a poorer side. My nap is Charlton to beat Rochdale this weekend. Me versus Rochdale round two. Brian Barry Murphy's uh, team taking round one. Uh, those of you who listen to this pod each week won't need to be told again why I'm I'm kind of anti-Rochdale, while I'm taking an anti-Rochdale stance, in, in purely punting terms, I should say, at the moment. I uh, had a big old rant about it last week, and I picked Bristol Rovers, and the final score was Rochdale 2, Bristol Rovers 1. But I am not deterred here, and I'm not just going to cast aside what is a strong stance just because the, the first result didn't go the way that I wanted it. Looking at the underlying numbers in that game... Bristol Rovers 3.13 expected goals, Rochdale 1.44. And that wasn't necessarily a case of, of Rovers absolutely, you know, racking it up, having gone 2-1 behind. Even when the scores were level, things were, were pretty tight in that regard. So pretty angry with Bristol Rovers, but I kind of I feel even stronger that it's good to be against Rochdale at the moment. Uh, I'll update my stats from last week. Their last 12 games, they've scored 28 goals uh, from 13.32 expected goals. And they've conceded 28 goals from 26.73 expected goals. And my general thinking is that cannot continue in this way. They will start to lose games if they continue playing like that. And over the course of 12 games, those those numbers are getting fairly consistent. Now, the funny thing is, is that I really like Rochdale. I like the manager. I like what they're doing. I have a lot of respect for a lot of it, but they just can't keep doing this. So I'm going to back Charlton this weekend. For Charlton, who lost in the week to Portsmouth, he's getting close to, to no more excuses time for Lee Bowyer now that he's shipped... Players like Marcus Madison out and got a couple of players in as well. Matt Smith, who spent the first half of the season on loan at Swindon, of course, comes in. It's a good squad. It's a good squad and it needs to start winning some games. It's it, It's got the personnel on paper to fit into that nice diamond formation that they played two years ago, where in the second half of the season, they really kicked on, started purring and, and won the playoffs. So that's what even though it may be, it might be a big a big ask and a high expectation, that's what I'm expecting from this Charlton side now. So, yeah, if this wins, George, then I'm back to around evens on my Rochdale stance. And if it loses, then I will be buying some Rochdale training kit and I will spend my next few weeks jogging around London spreading the good word of Brian Barry Miracle Murphy. Uh, but my nap is, is Charlton. Uh, that's my best bet this weekend. Very good. Sorry. You caught me mid-yawn. I was having a massive yawn. I feel like I spend most of my week going like, what do you reckon about this one, George? And sometimes I just don't say it because I want to see, I want to watch you on Skype. <laughs> the panic come into your eyes. Cardiff to beat Bristol City at 13 to 10. This might look quite prohibitively short for an away side who haven't won any games for ages going against a side who are above them at the table but there are reasons for that and it's because I am worried about Bristol City they might have scored twice against Brentford last night which cost me a few quid because I backed Brentford to win to nil and was very frustrated but I'm, I'm not convinced that there is um, that that's much of a, of a corner that's been turned before that game in their last four. They were averaging 0.5 XG4 per, per game. Small sample size, you shout at me, rightly so. But if you go to eight games, it's 0.69. This is a long-standing problem of Bristol City's an inability to create chances. And we look at Cardiff, 
under Mick McCarthy, we know that the longer he's there, the more he can get his influence on things, the more defensively miserly they're going to be. Uh, the goal they conceded on the weekend was, as you said, an own goal. And I just think Bristol City are going to struggle to create much here and that Cardiff have enough tools about them to get the win and are you know quite comfortably the, the likelier winners. I, when I first looked at this, I initially was like, ah, it's a bit short, it's a bit shorter than I was hoping. But the more I look into it, the more I think this is basically a game that's tailor-made for, for Mick McCarthy and Cardiff coming up against uh, a, still a rookie manager learning his trade, pretty down on confidence without a great deal to play for now, given where they are in the division. Um, I think Cardiff will, will run out pretty comfortable winners here. So 13 to 10 for Cardiff is my next best. Given that Cardiff have scored a... A lot of goals from set pieces this season and Bristol City have one of the worst records at defending them. You can imagine I was sniffing around the prices here, but Flint and Morrison are just so tediously short. I just can't be picking first goal scorer centre-backs at like 18, 20 to 1, sadly. But um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying this out loud in case one of them scores and I look clever even though it's uh, even though I'm not even punting it. And my next best is, is Blackburn to beat QPR in the championship this weekend. Uh, around 2.45 you can get on this, so just a shade less than 6 to 4. Again, this is a this is a new stance of mine which is that I think Blackburn will will kick on, will finish really strongly. And the funny thing is is that I don't actually think they've played particularly well in their last two games which have been 1-0 wins. So this is less jumping on the back of two wins in a row than just trying to get in front of it really. I think the performance levels will improve and I think that there's a few reasons why, uh, mainly in terms of squad depth and strength, why they could be a real force to be reckoned with over the next few months. Those wins against Middlesbrough and Luton, uh, they were, I mean, without playing hugely well but with flashes of quality and a solid defence and finishing stronger than the opponent. Rovers have sort of moved away from a theme in November and December where they were just, like the shot volume was insane. Like they were shooting from anywhere with reckless abandon, mostly Adam Armstrong, and it wasn't working, like not to very good effect. Teams <laughs> teams were swallowing up these long-range shots, were more than happy for Rovers to attack like that. And there was that really uh, sort of quite frustrating run of form I think where it you know it looked like they should be doing a lot better in games but I think realistically the opposition were, were relatively comfortable sometimes and it and I think it because the shot volume has dropped a bit it makes it look like the attack itself has dropped off a little bit and maybe it has maybe it has I'm choosing to think it's a little tweak uh, in how they're going about things and how they want to attack and I think Mowbray's making a little change and in my head anyway it's going to make them a better attacking side in the long term even if as I say those maybe the xg numbers the the, the shot volume numbers will drop we will see um you'll have heard me bang on on the Monday pod in the last few weeks about the strength and depth of their squad uh, sometimes substitutes can disrupt the rhythm of a team right you know in in normal terms pre-pandemic terms you wouldn't see people making triple subs at the same time because that is well basically a third of the outfield players and does it disrupt the rhythm consensus is yeah it probably does but I think in this specific scenario that we're in at the moment I think they are proving how important it can be how much of a bonus it can be uh, we've seen that in the last two games they've got so much quality across all parts of their team that instead of chucking on subs that you know are a downgrade on your first team players kind of begrudgingly to replace tired legs and because you know that physically they can't all play 90 minutes that's not what Mowbray's doing he's making a quadruple sub as he did against Luton bringing on Bradley Dack 
Lewis Holtby, Sam Gallagher and Tyrese Dolan for the last half an hour. <laughs> Those guys are trotting onto the pitch like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so far, even in just a, a fairly short sample size, I'm confident in saying this is like a huge thing for them, a huge positive uh, and a big reason why if I'm backing Blackburn, I'm going to be perfectly fine with the score being level at, at, at after an hour uh, when they're making these changes. QPR, no chance they've got depth that matches this in any way they've made a few additions on deadline day their squad is not horrendous but it's thin they played in midweek against Watford a great hard fought win uh, against a poor Watford side uh, and Blackburn they had the Ooh. week they had the week off they got the playoffs in sight they are fresh they've got the deep squad I think they've got the quality as well here I think they're a, a much better side than QPR overall uh, they've got a good record against teams outside the top 10 as well Blackburn 15 games uh, 10 wins three draws two defeats that's the icing on the cake for me Blackburn to beat QPR 2.45 this weekend. Next, next best for you, my friend. What would you say if I told you I back QPR draw no bet? Anyway, it's not one of my tips for this one either. Um, I was just laughing. And I, I was, I'm also think you're brave to say that Watford are a poor team, even if they were very poor on the night. Cool. Um, going to <laughs> going to League One, uh, and it is my beloved Oxford. And I'm backing us to lose. I'm backing Doncaster, my um, fortuitous friends from last Saturday. Um, I'm backing them to get another win. And this is not necessarily because I um, don't think Oxford are a good side. It's more just because we've won nine games in a row. And whilst that is a great record, these records do come to an end. And I think when you look at the standard of opposition in those games, when you look at the, the fact that two of them are in the Papa John's, uh, you know, the, the teams that Oxford have beaten in that run couldn't really have fallen better. You're looking at like, so Bristol Rovers, Rochdale, Fleetwood without Joey Barton, uh, AFC Wimbledon. These are the sides in the league who are struggling. The the cards have really fallen for Oxford at a very important time, which has propelled them into the playoff race, where I expect them to definitely challenge and, and continue to do so. But um, I still think Doncaster are a better side as it stands. I think they're performing at a higher level. I think they've, they've proven in the last few weeks that they are adept um, at going toe-to-toe with the very best teams in the league. And that's something that Oxford haven't done yet. And this will be their first opportunity to do so. I mean, the odds have Doncaster at around about 7-5, to 11-8, to eight, and Oxford 21-10, to 2-1. I think that's too close. I think Doncaster... Uh, you know, I, I think an Oxford win here would be... Uh, you know, it, it would be... Uh, out of step with what they've done so far, let's say. Um, you know, it's not beyond the beyond the realms of, of, of possibility, but I would be really pleasantly surprised myself as a fan. So uh, Doncaster just seem a shade of value for me. I think a little bit of an overreaction due to Oxford's good form. The old emotional hedge, love it. Um, hmm. Last for me, Wimbledon, two point five five to beat Wigan this weekend. Uh, I feel bad about bashing Wigan quite so often on this show uh, because a little like Rochdale I've got a lot of admiration for the way that people are pulling together in in ridiculous circumstances but from a punting perspective it means that I do think there are opportunities um, and yeah it's a funny one with, with Wigan we spoke about this game on the Totally Football League show extra time today and and you took the Wigan part of the preview and I took the Wimbledon part of the preview and you you rightly said that they're starting 11 on paper isn't as disastrous as you might expect, given how many of those first team players they've lost. Even like as the season has progressed, players have just dropped off. Garner, Naismith, particularly, and yet you know the starting eleven that people like Lang and Keane up top. 
left players that you're like, yeah, all right. Wooten at the back's just joined. It's, it's not a disaster. But I just think, like, outside of the starting eleven, there's a real drop-off. Even a couple of the players within it probably wouldn't be playing League One football. And it's such a hard time for players to be constantly leaving and coming in and expecting them to gel with a manager in charge who's not been appointed manager, but is just kind of holding things together. No training time, really, because of the schedule. Uncertainty off the pitch, which isn't helping. It's just I don't think it's an environment set up for players to thrive, you know, even if this isn't like the most horrendous squad, which is what maybe I sometimes make it sound like. They had that five-game unbeaten run in which four were draws, and that was a, a really impressive stretch. Since then, hammered by Blackpool as soon as they went behind from a set-piece goal. Um, I mean, it was just a bit of a disaster. I think it was 5-0 in the end. And then their game on the weekend was called off against Northampton, and they lost in midweek with a bit of a whimper to 10-man Swindon. I think Wigan started that game okay, went behind, and then, yeah, I mean, they had half an hour against 10 men and and really didn't lay a glove on uh, what is a poor Swindon side. So, I mean, it's probably mostly about Wigan this bet, but I also think that that just in terms of a little spark, call it a new manager bounce if you want, but it's more like the departing manager not being there anymore <laughs> like <laughs> the, the caretaker for Wimbledon Mark Robinson is punchy as hell um, I suspect he's probably quite popular in the dressing room he's been a big part of the club uh, he certainly has had a big impact on the academy and a lot of the players who are now uh, in and around the first team picture and I just am confident of a difference in performance level compared to this run of nine defeats and two draws that they've had in their last 11. And, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't be a huge surprise to play a little bit better than that. And that's all I'm asking, really. I think they're playing a team that's really struggling. So uh, just a shade over six to four. Uh, I'm quite tempted, well, I'm very tempted to the point of actually going for it to pick uh, <laughs> to, to pick Wimbledon. It's been a long week. I'm really struggling to, to create coherent sentences here, George. So I'm hoping you're going to tell me a bonus. I'll tell you a bonus and then we can all just settle down. <laughs> what are we going to do when we settle down? Probably have a nap. <laughs> you just had a nap. You told me before we started recording. Uh, yeah, this is the Reading turn and it's Reading minus one against Stoke. Um, I'm not really having Stoke. I haven't really been able to have them for a while now. Uh, I think they are a side who, you know, the results, that the recent run of form that we've seen isn't a massive surprise. They are winless in their last seven in the league and people don't really seem to notice this the games they've played haven't been particularly difficult they've drawn with Coventry they've drawn with Forest they've drawn with uh, Blackburn Rotherham and Huddersfield and the two games they lost were against Bournemouth and Watford I mean to get zero wins in those seven games is is pretty abysmal Um, they are struggling defensively they haven't kept a clean sheet in their last four I'm just you know, I know the narrative is that Michael O'Neill is doing a great job there, but I, I'm not really seeing it myself. It seems to be a, a bang average job um, so far with a decent group of players. Uh, Reading, on the other hand, are a really good side with fantastic players who have a massive chance of getting to the Premier League this season. We saw them pick apart um, Bournemouth and with the attacking players they've got, get a 3-0 lead at half-time against... Uh, a team with better players than Stoke and um, with Ajaria, with Olise, with Swift and Joao and also Rinomoto and Laurent in the kind of form they're in. Um, this seems to me like, I mean, I think Reading are a massive bet to win the game alone. Um, they probably would have been my nap if I hadn't chosen them for the bonus. But I think that given the, the way that they attack and the freedom that those players are given by Pauno, I think they could 
Blitzstoke, I think they could blow them away. Um, so Reading minus one, I think is 15 to two best price. Uh, that is with um, Bet Victor. Okay, I've got a couple of uh, bonus bets just to chuck out there and uh, see if I can reel anyone in to join me. Uh, Mads Anderson of Barnsley to score first in their game this weekend. Anderson is someone who, one of those centre-backs who just loves to throw his head at everything. Um, And that's what you want when you're backing a a centre-back to score first. Uh, Barnsley are up against Derby this weekend. It's a Derby side uh, who have lost a little bit of size. Christian Bielik's injury uh, not helping on that front. Barnsley are... It's a funny one, Barnsley, because they, they do play very direct. And I've, I've had it said to me that the style that Valerian Ishmael has employed is, is not very pretty. I still really enjoy watching Barnsley because it's because of the intensity, because of the 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 speed with which they attack and get the ball forward. We know that they're now a long throw threat, which is good fun. Uh, and although Michael Hellick is generally considered to be the, the biggest goal threat of the Barnsley centre-backs, uh, Mads Anderson uh, has got on the end of plenty as well. So 50 to 1, I'm backing Anderson. And then a nice little addition to your nap, which was Shrewsbury to beat Swindon. You know I'm going to pick Ethan Ebanks Landell, my friend <laughs> my friend from that transatlantic flight from LA to London. Uh, he's at 50 to 1 as well. Swindon, I mean, they got the win in midweek against a poor Wigan side. I still don't think that there's much about them under John Sheridan. I think there is a pretty bad vibe around the place. And I think that that's pretty much the opposite with Shrewsbury. Uh, and uh, yeah, if if like you, I expect Shrewsbury to win the game uh, and have the better of it, then I'm sure they'll have plenty of set plays. And they've been one of League One's deadliest sides from set plays this season. Ebanks Landell, not shy uh, of throwing his head at things. So Anderson and Ebanks Landell at 50 to 1. And then, I mean, this is very much dependent on team news. He's only just signed. But Johnny Smith... A uh, young winger signed permanently for Burton from Bristol City. And he is just a real sort of shoot-first winger, like a goal-scoring winger. That's his first thought when he gets the ball. Generally plays off the right, is to cut inside and shoot. Uh, they're playing against Hull this weekend. They're a very long price to win, obviously, given that it's a team at the top against a team at the bottom. But if Johnny Smith starts, he's 15-1 to 1 currently to score first uh, with Bet365. I'd expect him to be maybe Burton's second biggest goal threat um if he if he does start behind Hemmings if Hemmings is is fit and playing number nine so yeah 15 to 1 for someone who I think is just one of those players that racks up the shots uh I'll be backing him each way to score first as well so those are my three bonus bets Anderson at 50 to 1 for Barnsley Ebanks Landau 50 to 1 for Shrewsbury Johnny Smith 15 to 1 for Burton I also picked Charlton as my nap uh against Rochdale Blackburn against QPR and Wimbledon against Wigan and you chose I chose Shrewsbury against uh, Swindon I chose Cardiff against Bristol City I chose Doncaster against Oxford and I chose Reading minus one against Stoke (laughs) well done well done okay we will leave you now uh, with a snippet from this week's 5Y5 that's our weekly show talking all things five yards in this segment we talked about the youngster quadwo bar from rochdale who is apparently definitely but didn't actually get confirmed on deadline day signing for manchester city in the summer and we also spoke about rico henry please do get involved with five yards transfer window it's open on fridays and tuesdays nine till six p.m that's when you can buy and sell players build your squad 
back your opinion and, and show off your ability to, to pick a player and beat the five yards analysts who set the prices. That's the key, really. Um, thanks very much for listening, guys. Hope you have a good weekend and we'll talk again on Monday. It's time to finish this week's 5Y5 um, by talking about a couple of EFL players. I'm going to kick us off with Brentford left-back Rico Henry. He is on five yards at £11 million, 23-year-old fullback. I wrote a scout report on him this weekend, which went live at the start of the week, because I think he's excellent and he might not be necessarily as exciting as a player like Eze or an attacking player, you know, an equivalent in the EFL might be Michael Olise or, or Ovi Ajaria. But I think Rico Henry is an excellent player for his position, the best in the championship and someone who in five yards terms, I'd be excited to add to my squad because I believe that he will spend the majority of the next, what, five to eight years playing in the Premier League rather than the Championship. In terms of uh, of his qualities, I think what stands out most for me watching Henry are, are, are physical and mental attributes, actually. His speed is incredible and it allows him to recover so well if he's ever caught up the pitch. Uh, it means that you can trust in him to get back into position, but mixed with a, a, a mental tenacity that I think really stands out. Certainly when it comes to one-on-one defending, it's very rare that you see a championship winger get the better of Rico Henry because of that recovery speed if someone does try and go around him. But also he's just got such a hunger to defend and he's he's so tenacious and it really, really stands out. Very rarely beaten at one-on-one uh, in defensive duels. High levels of stamina and speed, as I've mentioned. Now, going forward, so I suppose technically... He, he wouldn't compare to some of the top fullbacks in the Premier League. He's he's not a game changer in terms of the final third, in terms of, let's say, dribbling with the ball or delivering crosses from wide. But he is a smart player. And I think that that's quite important at fullback, even if it's not quite as sexy. He retains the ball well. He keeps his width. He combines well um, with teammates. You know, previously Ben Rama, he really, they thrived as a partnership together. So I wouldn't expect in, in the Premier League him to make a huge difference and create a ton of chances going forward and rack up a load of PP from assists. But I still think that all round as a fullback, he's definitely a Premier League player. I think he'd be excellent in a Premier League back four. I mean, I said current ability 75, which is the you know top end of the championship with potential... Yeah, with, with potential for, for 80, um, because I think you know a solid mid-table Premier League side is where he will end up. Um, available consistent and dependable are three words that you would definitely say Henry ticks those boxes and and again those skills aren't sexy but they mean a lot for clubs at the very top level so for Henry at 11 million I mean I look at Jamal Lewis of Newcastle at 14.5 they're the same age and, and while Lewis might have made the Premier League already I would wager that Rico Henry plays a lot more Premier League games in the next 10 years than Jamal Lewis at average Premier League fullbacks earn around 2 million a year in PP, I reckon. Uh, the very best, the very best ones earn much more than that, of course. But if I'm expecting him to join, let's say a Southampton or a West Ham or a Crystal Palace, that's that's assuming that he doesn't go up and stay with Brentford, which of course is is very much um, a possibility right now. It's just, I think, it's just quite a solid, a solid buy for me to to add Henry to your squad. Um, a soft buy is how I described it in my notes. It's it's one of those that I don't think is going to make me insanely rich. But I believe when, this time next year, Henry will be more expensive on five yards because he will be a regular Premier League defender. And he'll be receiving the plaudits, George, that we see constantly when players move from the EFL to the Premier League. 
There's some people call it snobbery. I'm not sure I would go as far as to say there's a snobbery towards the FL players, but people sleep on them and people just think like, okay, well, you know, we'll see how they do. But as soon as they start seeing them perform, the narrative changes pretty quickly, and I could see that happening with Henry. So, uh, Rico Henry, eleven mil, it's a yes from me. And if I could point out, quite handy as well, that England aren't particularly well stocked at left back. Ooh. So. I think his star could rise quite quickly in that respect because if he can just... I mean, I'm sure when he gets into the Premier League playing left-back, whether for Brentford or for someone else, it won't be long until he's in the, in that conversation challenging Ben Chilwell for that left-back spot and Luke Shaw. And that'll all, you know, immediately make him higher profile and more yeah. attractive to bigger clubs. So, mm. I mean, I, I love Rico. You know that. I, I do know that. we got one more <laughs> slot to talk about, the fifth on this week's 5 y 5 We're going to keep it in the EFL, George. I know you're pretty excited about a couple of the guys <laughs> going up on, on five yards this week. Yeah, I am. I mean, I'll, I'll get to the person who um, we're going to talk about in a second. It's quite quite a funny story about the guy we're going to be talking about in a second, isn't there? But um, a couple of them. But yeah, a few interesting players going up. Hanno Masengo. Um, Bristol City fans love him. I've always been unconvinced. So I'll be interested mm. to see if Bristol City fans get involved there. Bez Labala, who made a move to Blackpool in the summer hasn't really pulled up too many trees there but interesting somebody has still asked for him to be put up Max Waters and Perry and G the two players who've come up from League 1 and League 2 to Cardiff going up there as well so a couple of interesting ones and then some players from uh, on the on the continent too the likes of Yusuf Poulsen uh, and Lazar Samarjic, uh, a couple <laughs> of the ones who are going up. I uh, chose him purely because he's in bold, so that was nice. And then um, the player we're going to talk about, Ali, Manchester City's Quadro Bar. Did it I actually mean, get for... confirmed? That's what I want to know. I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it's something that will happen. But yeah. I'm, uh, it was, they're, they're going to sign him at the end of the season, I think. That's, uh, that's so, right. Yeah, I mean, we... Couple of funny things about him. Firstly, I mean, you and I both did five live stints on deadline day evening. Mine was at ten o'clock with Mark Chapman. Yours was at eleven o'clock with Colin Murray. And we'd kind of spoken a bit before because we didn't just want to say the same thing an hour apart on the same radio channel. And you'd kind of intimated to me that you didn't really care what I spoke about. Well, I was just, just long, a, I, I just didn't just like the, long, you, you, I didn't like the insinuation that I would say the same things as you anyway. No, I am my more, own, I am my you, own man. You just said. You just texted me saying, I would like to talk about Quadro, though. And I was like, fine, <laughs> I, I, I will leave Quadro. Yeah. Um, then live on air, <laughs> Chappers looks at my really long list of things I've sent him and plucks out Quadro. And so live on air, I say, having just said, Ali's going to be on, let's not cover the same ground. Let's talk about Quadro Bar, though. And I was like, ha, you've literally chosen the one person Fuming. Ali told me he wanted to talk about. So I cracked straight You were up. like, he'll be but- listening as well and he'll be really disappointed. I was listening and I was disappointed. <laughs> Um, but with Quadro, I mean, it's it's exciting. You know, it, in terms of the backstory, it's been said a million times, but for anyone who hasn't doesn't know this, he was the ball boy back in 2016 who grabbed the ball and put it on the six-yard line um, trying to stop Adrian of West Ham at the time from time-wasting. And he got, he got rebuked for doing so. And in Crystal Palace, he even released a video with him afterwards where he looks, well, I mean, he probably was about 13, uh, even though it was only four years ago. He's 18 now. He is a... A right-footed left winger who's played a lot of football for for a Rochdale side who, under manager Brian Barry Murphy, um, you know, his job at, at Rochdale, we spoke to him on the Turkey Football League show, his job at Rochdale is to develop young talent and to uh, play, you know, and to instill a certain philosophy in them and to ensure their development and their happiness is paramount. 
that basically in his own words ahead of getting three points in football matches um so you can kind of see what the process and the product that Rochdale are developing are and, and Quadro Bar is basically it uh, he's played a lot of football this season he really kind of proved himself and shown what he was all about in a four-all draw against Charlton where you know for, for the first goal which he you know ended up being nothing to do with him it came from a driving run of his before which he was tackled just outside the box and they went and scored and then he scored two incredible solo efforts one a, a ferocious right-footed strike into the roof of the well that the near post roof and then another one where he beats the right back for skill and then does this amazing like handoff where even though he's only 18 he basically just flicks aside the physical challenge of the fullback after he's beaten him before just really casually rolling it into the far corner. Two very different goals showing a range of skill sets, both of which spectacular and getting the ball on the, on the left wing and scoring with his right. He, in Brian Barry Murphy's own words, he's he's pretty raw. Um, you know, he's by no means the polished article. But going to Manchester City, you think the potential for where he could end up and where he could be, especially given that he's going to be spending the rest of the season playing at Rochdale, is pretty high. So I am really interested to see where he's going to be put up because the fact that he's coming from playing first-team football, I'd be really surprised if he was then plugged into the City Academy for a couple of years. I know that's what City generally do. Yeah, and, and I know that's what, what City generally do. It's pretty rare that you see pretty much any kind of big club at the moment, with the exception of maybe Chelsea. It's pretty rare that you see big clubs, top clubs in the UK, loaning out players that they still have first team plans for. It seems to be the case now, especially at Spurs under Pochettino. The the, the idea was always, if a player goes out on loan, that's basically the end of their Spurs career. The chances are they're not going to be used again. So I'll be interested to see what happens with Barr. I'll be really interested. We don't know yet because I'm not sure the scouts have worked it out. I'm going to be really interested to see where he goes up because will he be priced up as a League One left winger and go up at kind of six, seven million? Or is he going to go up as a Manchester City starlet and go up at 18, 19, 20 million? I think the, the latter, I'm afraid. I'm afraid from our <laughs> perspective. I don't see why, as as much as I like taking on our scouts and analysts, I mean, they they do have all the information at their fingertips. They won't be pricing him up as a League One winner, but winger because essentially that's not what he is now. Um, sadly, he is a an 18-year-old starlet uh, in the Manchester City group. And uh, and we know that uh, that's it's, it does make it very hard to predict the next few years, doesn't it? But certainly the, mm. the raw qualities that he has, the the power in his running, but also the power in his shot, the, the individual skill that he has. I mean, for someone of his age to, to be that physically developed, um, it's pretty eye-catching, certainly at League One level. So um, plenty of development to come, but exactly the sort of player that you have to have on a game like this um the sort of player that excites me so much and many people will watch and say no there are just too many variables here there's too many too many question marks still uh, and leave him alone so price is everything of course on five yards we wait to see what bar will be when he goes up at the end of this week the transfer window will be open on friday of course nine till six plenty of time to do business I've got a, a couple of pennies lying around after my uh, heartless sell of Christian Bielik, um in the <laughs> Tuesday transfer window. I haven't quite worked out where to chuck those pennies. Maybe Brian Gill or Gil, uh, who we spoke about earlier. Um, maybe Rico. Brian Gessie. Bri Brian or Gessie. Brian or Gessie. That's quite enough from us, I think, on this week's <laughs> 5Y5. We're getting silly, um, but we hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you've enjoyed listening and or watching on YouTube. Please do, however you are consuming us, make sure you subscribe to 5Yard's YouTube channel, podcast feed, 
Twitter feed and sign up to the Five Yard site and get involved in this week's transfer window on Friday, 9 till 6. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Join us again next week.